0: Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 1032 of the Lots Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland, coming to you on a Thursday evening into Friday. And today's episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra. well notified with calories, which is carbs, only worth it if you enjoy it. Stay tuned for the Ultra Moment segment coming up later in the episode. Today's show is going to be myself and Tyler Jones, friend of the podcast. Always a delight to talk to Tyler. And by the way, it's going to be a two-part episode. You're listening to part one right now. But part two should be accompanied very, very shortly after, if, if not already in your podcast feed. So keep that in mind. Part one and part two are recorded in order, and that is coming to you um, both at the same time. With that said, there is one piece of news to hit on at, this, at the top of this podcast. There's a couple more things to hit on the top of part two as well. But number one here is that Nate McMillan has now been officially announced as the Hawks head coach. No surprise there. That was always going to be coming in the at some point this week, and they finally announced that on Thursday afternoon. Um, he will be the franchise's 14th full-time head coach after leaving the Hawks to a 27 and 11 record and a 37 and 19 overall mark, including the playoffs after he took over. Um, some nice statements in there from both Travis Schlank and a McMillan. Um, Travis said that he made it, made it an easy decision was part of the quote there. And uh, this is going to read the rest of, it, uh, rest of that to you here. Quote, We were able to see how gifted a tactician, motivator, and leader that he is firsthand and the high level of respect that he, and trust that he earned from our players made securing him as a head coach, our top priority. So uh, obviously glowing stuff there from McMillan, no surprises whatsoever. And the Hawks uh, at least announced on Instagram and we on social media across the platforms that on on Friday at 11 a.m. Eastern, there'll be an introductory press conference for McMillan. I know he's already been on the job for a while, but that's the official announcement. I, and I believe it's going to be streamed live on Twitter, according to the announcement from the Hawks. So if you want to watch that, that will be uh, available for you to uh, sort of dissect and go through and enjoy if you are a Hawks fan that is happy about the hire. So that was the big news on Thursday, even if it was already sort of advertised in advance from Travis Schlank. But McMillan has coached, by the way, more than 1,200 NBA games, almost 1,300, and 71 postseason games across his four different stints with Seattle, Portland, Indiana, and Atlanta. So this is a guy who has an incredibly impressive background, and the Hawks are definitely happy to have him on board for the next several seasons. By the way, the Hawks do not announce terms. Uh, Adrian Wojnarowski did did report, I should say, a few days ago that McMillan's deal is going to be for four years. The Hawks have not confirmed that, nor have they announced it. I I would trust Woj on that with regard to the duration, but uh, there you go on that. That's all I know for now, and we'll get into much, much more on the Hawks momentarily with Howard Jones. But first, the Ultra Moment segment is here, brought to you by our, by our friends at of Ultra. And now the offseason is here, it won't be as easy. have to be a little bit more creative to get to find the Ultra Moment of the week, but this one ended up pretty easy, honestly, because Travis Schlank, and sort of the keeping up the theme of this podcast so far, on Monday, he elected to reveal that Nate McMillan was going to be joining the team full-time, on a call, unannounced, and just answered a question with basically just saying that it was going to be happening. And, of course, that was the assumption for a long time, given the success the Hawks have had, but it was definitely a moment when it happened. You know, as someone who was covering it, I was certainly in a flurry to tweet out the information and all that, all that stuff, and you know, Hawks fans reacted in real time as well. So McMillan will again have a four-year deal, it seems, and his charge will be to keep this rolling after the team enjoyed that massive run. The expectations will be high at this point in time, but McMillan is definitely up for the challenge. He's been around for a very, very long time, and I know the fan base is thrilled to have him on board and locked in as the summer arrives. So, um, obviously, that was the moment of the week by a lot with regard to the information that the Hawks were uh, sort of facilitating. And uh, as the offseason arrives, we'll be talking about moments a lot. In fact, there are tons of other exciting Ultra moments to check out with the hashtag Ultra Moment. And at 95 calories with these carbs, it's only worth it if you enjoy it. Joy creates success, and enjoyment isn't the end game. It's the whole game. The Michelob Ultra moment this week goes to Travis Schlank announcing the hire of Millen McMillan uh, via the introductory press conference, postseason, etc. Live on Zoom, and what a moment it was. I am joined now by the oft-requested guest, voice of the Hawks fan, Tyler Jones is here. Hello, sir.
1: Oof. Man, I hope people <laughs> like hearing my voice. because uh, They do. Today's been uh, pretty bad, and it's not helped. By the fact that I have yet to receive an invoice from Adam Silver, Brad.
0: <laughs> I, I know you I, no I know sense. I know you're looking for uh like an embossed apology from the commissioner. Uh is that is that on its way? I mean, I, maybe maybe it's not, but I, I haven't seen it yet.
1: What's he so so he his, his Mickey Mouse ref <laughs> trips Trey Young ends the series right there. Cause that I mean, what like we I guess we're gonna talk about the Bucks series, but like we should. what's there to talk about? yeah like the series ended when trey young got hurt
0: okay so i'm gonna Ooh. i'm gonna i'm gonna play devil's advocate they they did they did win a game without him uh and yeah but and, like and and, and and uh i i'm sure if any any residual Bucks subscribers listening to this podcast, they will they will point out undoubtedly that Giannis was not playing at the end of the series.
1: Yeah, but they still are a good defense without Giannis, and the Hawks aren't a good offense without Trey Young. So it's like I would agree with both those, both both
0: of, both of those sentiments are true. I think. I mean, I mean,
1: series. yeah, I, I think it was a it was a coin flip, but like you watch the game, and they just couldn't grind out possessions on offense enough to keep up, and like the defense. I mean, the defense against the Bucks was the bigger story. They, they, the perimeter defenders just weren't good enough.
0: Um, no, that was – if you want to find out the entire, like, the entire you,
1: thing of the entire the series. The entire series boils down. That might have been it. Even before Trae Young got, got hurt, it was really the perimeter de- – like, people pointed at point at the point in the paint problem that the Hawks had, but that was 100% because our perimeter defenders just weren't up to the caliber that they needed to be. That, and that,
0: that is one of those stats where uh, – it gets blamed on, like, my mentions, I'm sure they were similar for you. My mentions were full of people that were really mad at Capella and Collins. And it's like, well, yeah, maybe they could have been a little better, particularly, particularly Capella. But, like, if you watch the point of attack defense the whole series, it was uh, problematic, we'll say.
1: Yeah, so it's, it's just like, just one. I mean, I mean it's also, I mean, it, it's relatively surprising, you know, how well, Herder and Bogey had played, you know, defensively before, before the Bucs series. But, you know, Drew Holiday and Chris Milton were just different caliber of perimeter basketball players and the Hawks. Until Cam Reddish came back in, what, game four? Like, they – and and uh, Chris Dunn got an appearance. Like, they just – they couldn't stop either of those guys from getting anywhere they wanted to go on the floor. And it just – it caused – too much scrambling which led to offensive rebounds which led to easy points for the bucks and then on the other end the hawks like it was a lot of post-ups mismatched post-ups and like i don't know to me it just looked like john collins and john collins particularly looked like he just got tired right it, you know like to me it just it didn't it didn't seem like he had the juice that he needed uh that the Hawks needed from him, and also, again, the Bucks are—you know—they're still a great defense, and you could really see, like, especially without Trey Young, just how harmful of an offensive player Clint Capella um, is, because it just—it just makes everything harder, and they got really predictable, and it was just, it just wasn't good offensive basketball, even though they did—they did manage to scramble enough to get. I, I think they were okay offensively, but like not to the level they needed to be with how bad their defense was.
0: Yeah, I uh I agree and it's it's really weird and I was we'll get we'll get into a lot. Uh people probably people probably assume that if they listen to us before. Um but it's is a complicated evaluation throughout the series, but you know, Milwaukee's offense is not any great shakes, but as you alluded to earlier, like Without Trey, the Hawks just could not generate the kind of offensive consistency. Like there were moments, like Bogey getting up like fifteen threes a game at the end of the series was very helpful. Like he played very well on offense, but they didn't have the creation. Lou had the the one Lou game, they won. I mean, and but you, you, you couldn't you couldn't expect them to do that again necessarily, but that was the difference. Like obviously there were a lot of things built in there, but the game that Lou gave them, you know, seventy percent of Trey they were able to win. But when Lou didn't have it, they had no chance in that same spot. It wasn't just, it wasn't and just that simple. Also,
1: and also, Herter just struggling.
0: Yeah, I mean, like, yeah, I mean, wasn't. honestly, like, as good as he was in the Philly series, as good as he was at times even early in the Milwaukee series, Herter just didn't have it at the end of the series. I mean, it happens. I was frustrated by some of my mentions talking about, like, you know, really, really mad at Herter. It's like, yeah, he was not good at the end of the series. No, qu- no question about it, but it's like people just forgot how good he was before the playoffs. Like he had a great playoffs. He just didn't have it at the end. And everyone's life is harder with, without
1: Trey. I
0: think that makes some sense.
1: That's the biggest takeaway. It was like, they were just having the, they weren't getting the easy looks that Trey was generating. And so it was, it's not like the looks they were generating from themselves were bad, but like they were, they weren't like wide open uncontested or Kevin Herter taking a bad defender off the dribble or, you know, John Collins having actual space to work with because Trey young has the floor spread out p- properly where Capella's is not in his way. Like it was just a lot of, you saw a lot of clunkiness and, you know, Drew Holiday really took advantage. Um, Drew and Chris really took advantage of just whoever, Cam Reddish ultimately came down to whoever Cam Reddish isn't guarding like that guy was just going to get to the middle of the paint get to his spot and uh, get a good look or like cause somebody to contest it which would leave you know somebody open for an offensive rebound opportunity and like <sighs> it, I mean it was frustrating <laughs> it was frustrating because yeah. like, it really felt like game three Trey Young had figured something out where they couldn't stop him and like he was getting anywhere he wanted to go. He had 35 points through 3 quarters. The Hawks were winning. Uh the defense man, like the defense just couldn't like the, their defense just really could not come together consistently enough. Even if Trey was healthy, they probably don't win just because of it, well, if Giannis doesn't get hurt. Yeah, I mean that's it's
0: such a hard series to talk about because obviously this is a Hawks focus and but, you know, Milwaukee as good as they were defensively at the end of the series, like they're not the same without Giannis either. So it's this it's this impossible conversation to have because, yeah, if you tell me that Trey doesn't get hurt and Giannis does and misses the rest of the series, the Hawks probably win the series.
1: Then I yeah I think they, they have an easier time in particular because Trey Young would have been able to take advantage of the switching that they were doing with especially without Giannis on the floor.
0: Well, that was the thing as soon as soon as, soon as Giannis is out. They might have a base unit or two that can guard, but like as we saw in Game One of the NBA Finals, um, even with Giannis out there, like they they can be they can be attacked if it's not 100% Giannis, and if Giannis is just totally out, yeah, I think we saw they were more vulnerable. Like Brook Lopez was pretty awesome down the stretch of the series, I thought from from Milwaukee. But if it's if it's full strength, Trey Young, and not the guy he was in the fourth quarter of Game Three, or the guy that came back in Game Six and couldn't run. At his full at his full tempo, if that's the fully healthy, as you mentioned, 35 points, three quarters, Trey Young, like, it's just a different series at that point in time. That's that that goes without saying I'm not saying they definitely would have won. I mean,
1: honestly, it might have been a different series if Cam Reddish was fully healthy and been able to go just because he was able to actually take advantage of mismatches, get to his spots.
0: And he was also and the like, only guy that it, could, could bother Middleton. I mean, that's the other thing about that. Uh, the whole yeah. time, we, you, and I talked about it a lot, dating back to when Hunter got hurt at the end of the Knicks series. Like the fact that they won the Phillies series without either of those yeah, guys. Yeah,
1: it's the Philly series that really is the real shocker here. Well, it it, uh, it, it,
0: it it is because you know we we talked about it for sure, but it almost gets glossed over. Like it is really, really hard to believe, even though we watched it that. The Hawks could defend the way they were able to defend at times in those last two series without Hunter or Reddish. And I don't I know came came back at the end, but it's a credit to Herder and Magdanovic, it's a credit to the scheme, all that stuff. But like coming into the I mean, think about this like go go three months ago. If I tell you the Hawks have to try to play two top tier teams in the playoffs without Hunter or Reddish to defend, and I guess the Philly series, they didn't have that big wing to kill them. But Middleton, like, is not LeBron. But guess but who was killing them?
1: Hold on, Brad. But guess who was killing them in the Philly series? Seth Curry. Exactly. Yeah. And I Seth mean, Curry's not some elite. elite no, and they and they, they put, put Herder on him, and, like and he Kevin was better. Herter, but Kevin Herder did okay. Like yeah. Kevin Herder was the only good, but Kevin Herder was the only good defender. And that, that's what if I mean. Anybody else guarded Seth Curry? he was going to get an open three-pointer. It, it was the same and thing so, against
0: Middleton. They, I mean, Bo- Bogey was, like, trying to be physical with him and at least getting contests. But Reddish and Hunter are on a different level defensively. You, you know, forget all the offensive stuff, but just talk about defense for a second. Like, those two guys are, and everyone knows it, are the two big – I mean, that's why they drafted those guys is to have – you have to have those big wing defenders. And they're going to – I mean, Hunter, especially on offense, is a, is a guy who had a breakout this year – But when your only options are a pair of two guards in Herder and McDonald's, because those guys are two guards, that's what they are, Uh, or you have to go deeper into your bench and the options are not good, like, you're in a tough spot. And against Philly, you know, they they won the series, but if there was ever a team to play that's a really good team, like Philadelphia, without wings, it is Philadelphia, because they don't don't have wings either. So that, that made it a little bit easier, but we saw, like, when Middleton goes crazy... Cam was the only guy that was able to bother him, and that's it's tough. I mean, because honestly, it's amazing. I think you agree. It's amazing how well Cam was able to function after four months off. Like that's wild to me. Still, incredible. like the fact it's that incredible. I mean, the three point shooting is like what it, what it is. Like he obviously he hit six threes in the <laughs> game six, which is crazy. But just the floor game stuff, like and it's particularly just awareness and being able to be out there and function at that high level in the playoffs speed of the game stuff that's what that's what surprised me like the shooting stuff can just happen you have a hot you have a hot half or whatever but his awareness and his ability to be out there i'm still shocked by it i mean credit to him well but man I'm,
1: I'm not just because like i mean cambridge is a high level talent he
0: is but and it's also a hooper.
1: like he's a he's a hooper though brad like he's a it it's it's just different with with guys like him like it, it doesn't matter how how far away from the game they are as long as they're in shape they're gonna bring their a game and so like to me i it was really encouraging to see cam reddish be the best point guard on the team um, once trey got hurt so <laughs> I, I saw i saw you tweeted that thing. or
0: maybe, maybe you texted it to me something like that and I, I started laughing and i was like well it's not necessarily wrong it's it's funny because you know we've talked about it but cam, cam has had some issues as a ball handler and as a uh decision maker offensively at times, we'll just say.
1: Yeah, but he, he Cam really benefited from the the Bucks were not gonna put their good defender. No, and on. they sh- and they shouldn't have, and it worked oh, out very shouldn't. well for the Hawks. And and he absolutely took advantage. And that's like if you want to go forward, that's the Hawks strength is that all their guys, you cannot put a bad defender. Like you can't even you can no longer put a bad defender on somebody like Kevin Herter. No. Like, that's something that's something he hadn't shown until this playoff.
0: <laughs> Kevin Herter annihilated Seth Curry, like, com- completely in that game. I mean, it was one game, but the whole series, really, like, he or Bryn Forbes or whoever you want to say, until the end of the Buck series, if you put someone who couldn't guard him on him, he was going to t- take over, which is something he, to, your, to what you just said. He didn't do that before. Not that he couldn't, but we saw that, that sort of switch flip with him, and Bogey already had it. But Herder being aggressive that consistently, and obviously the coming out part was Game Seven against Philly when he just literally was going to dominate, and he just decided I'm going to score every time on Seth Curry, and he just did it over and over again. But I totally agree with you. Like, there's nowhere to hide a bad defender now, particularly in the backcourt. Like, yeah, Capella, you can hide a a bad big big man defender potentially, but everybody else, like, there's nowhere to just stick Bryn Forbes like or Jeff Tee Well, with
1: Capella. The thing is, if you hide a bad, you know, he'll rebound. He'll rebound. But yep. that, if and you want, if we want to talk about disappointing stuff, though, is that uh oh,
0: <laughs> Capella's
1: finishing is that, is that coming right now? The bunnies? <sighs> no, I mean it's whatever with the finishing. No, I, no, I no, hold, hold on, different. hold on.
0: The one, the one in uh, I, I, I even tagged you on Twitter. The one where was that? I think it was a game six oh, that he literally it was game missed. Six. He literally missed yep. a one foot, un- like a one foot uncontested. Just hit it off the – was it the end of the quarter?
1: It was the end of the half. One of the think, end of the first half. That's what it was. It was the end of the first half, yeah. And I'm like, man, he just gave away like, six li- points.
0: Literally just thoughts and prayers <sighs> for you was all, all I had in my head in that in that moment. I'm thinking was, about everything. I'm taking notes. Bad. I'm like, man, Tyler has got to be like on the floor right now, unable to function.
1: After I mean, minutes. no. I, you know, at that point, I was watching Trey Young. I'm like, man, Trey cannot, do. <laughs> Trey trying to James Harden his way. Honestly, no, kudos,
0: kudos to him though, man. Like, listen, oh, the fact that he was able to play th- what thirty-five minutes
1: he, or something—he was competing on defense too. Like, he—he he, he was know, give,
0: he was la- he was leaving it out there. Like, I—I I got honestly, I, I don't get mad anymore most of the time about takes. But, like, I was getting very mad at the faction of people that were like, oh, Trey's not tough because he's not playing in Game 5. I was, like, "What?" getting bothered by that because, listen, if you know anything about Trey Young at all, like, love him or hate him, Trey Young will play. Trey Young will be out there. He hates missing games. He is tough as all get out for the guy, especially when you factor in his size. But even if you don't, the guy is tough as all get out. You think Trey Young wanted to miss Game 5? They probably had to tie him to a
1: chair. Like Man, he didn't want to miss game four. What are, what are we talking about? He didn't
0: well, want to miss well, any game. No, yeah, that's what I mean. Like, the fact that he played in game six, like, you saw, my thing is, he had four more days off, and you saw him in game six. Like, you could argue, he you, could argue you could argue, you could argue, didn't even help him. I mean, this is not his fault, but you could argue that they might have been better off without him in game six. Yeah, I, I wouldn't Cam say Reddys that, but it's close.
1: More, if Cam Reddys was going to play more, mate, mate, but I mean, even still, like, just Trey Young's ability to, uh, be guarded. Pass the ball. Be guarded and pass. Yeah, and, exactly. Yeah, and be guarded, like, was an upgrade over... I mean, because, like, you know, Lou, Lou did what he could, but... Lou, know, Lou's, Lou's, game, I mean, Lou, Lou's
0: game four was huge. I mean, Lou was a big reason why yeah. won game four. He was awesome in game four. But you can't rely on more really than that he's not really a
1: point guard, and you can't really rely on him to run the offense. And so it's, it's like, well... Are we really gonna not have Trey out here? I mean, because at least Trey's a threat to shoot the ball from thirty-five feet, right? So
0: and he has and he's still one of the. I mean, I think he had nine assists in the game. Like he was still able to cease. I mean, he, can't, he couldn't get to everything that he wanted to off the dribble because he just yeah. didn't have the explosion. But yeah, it's. Uh, I just want to say it out loud because it really did bother me. Like there was a lot of people that were like, "Oh, I can't believe he's not playing. He's not." T-. I'm like, "Come on, man! Like this is this is not the guy." I mean, maybe I.
1: I- that's why I was off Twitter for the playoffs, man. Like Lies. after a while, I had I had to get off. Uh, <laughs> but uh, it was I had to just get off that application because like, and I already got a lot of people muted just because I don't want to see stuff like that. But like the idea that Trey's not tough, do you, do people, and this and you know I'm like, and this is where I texted you this because you 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 told me that people some people were saying this. I was like, are these from the? The Hawks fans that just started, quote unquote, Hawks fans that just started watching two weeks ago, four I mean, it, ago. It, I mean, it had to
0: be just because, like, like if you if you've
1: been because, like, do y'all not know that Trey Young came back from a high ankle sprain in a
0: week, in like what a week? Yeah, I mean, a week. When that the when, same when that happened, that
1: LeBron James was out for like what two months.
0: I was gonna say when that when that ankle injury happened. This, by the way, that was this season when that happened. Like we thought, I thought the Hawks were done. I thought he was gonna be out for weeks.
1: The season was over.
0: Yeah. I mean, not like totally done, but like given where they were at that point in time, and how bad that looked, and as soon as you hear high ankle, that's not a usually that's not a one week injury usually, and the guy's back out there in whatever it was like eight days or something crazy like that. So, and the shoulder thing, he's playing through it, the next series and all yeah, that stuff.
1: The shoulders, oh man, it's a lot. It was, anyway, Tray was going through a lot, and like he was, he was he played great basketball, so it's incredible. I, Shout out to Adam Silver and his boys.
0: There it is. I guess they
1: really, they really wanted Giannis in the Bucks.
0: Okay, hold get on. That chip. Okay, I know, I know you're kidding because there is no. I but that actually was made me insane. And this is not a Hawks thing, but like, I can assure you that the NBA nah, that, that the NBA does not want the Milwaukee Silver Bucks.
1: Adam Silver loves Mike stop Adam, stop. Adam Silver loves Mike Budenholzer. He ain't, Mike. Adam Silver and Danny Ferry go way back. This
0: might be the first. This board. might. This might be the first time in the history of Danny
1: Ferry conspiracy Danny Ferry theories. And Adam Silver go way back, Brad. This is <laughs> how many times has Adam Silver tried to get Danny Ferry a job? Oh,
0: uh, this is this is why I want you on the Multiple podcast. Multiple times. This is this, this is why I need you here because
1: Multiple I was. Time, I'm just. I'm just saying, like Adam Silver was like, and he made the call. He was like, "Yo,
0: step on his ankle,
1: <sighs> Hose... Like he just doesn't know what to do with Trey Young. Like he. he he can't do nothing with him. can you just help <laughs> my boy Mike out? Like, they they going to fire him. He can't do nothing they with gonna him. They're going to fire him for Rick Carlisle, a worse coach. Oh, uh, did I say that out loud? Oh, wow. I'm that sorry.
0: was shots fired at Rick Carlisle. Interesting. Hey,
1: Catching strains on a, win- like, like, on a Wednesday night. That's like, nice. like, like Trill Withers says, man, Rick Carlisle tricked y'all, okay? Man hasn't gone out the first round in 10 years. <laughs> he got Luka Doncic and – and can't can't coach can't coach Luca. He got, come on now. And <laughs> <That's laughs> Volcaris was running his rotation. That,
0: that's left on Pacers now. It's left on Pacers now. We got we got to move on. Right, I'm with you. Uh, it's I don't know. It's um, I don't know. I got, we got a lot to get into before we get to the rest of this conversation. A word from our sponsors on today's show, and the first of which is RockAuto.com. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models in the car or truck world, it's now impossible to stock all the parts that you need in a traditional chain storefront. Why would you endure often pointless questioning from someone at a storefront and have to wait while someone at the counter orders the parts on the computer, only choosing the brand that the warehouse happens to carry? You have computers with access to rockauto.com right now, both at home and in your pocket. rockauto.com is a family business, serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to rockauto.com to shop for all the audio and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything you need from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic car or your daily driver, get everything you need. Just a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is uniquely and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your car and choose the brands, specs, and prices that you prefer. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or your truck. And from there, you went right locked on in their how-did-you-hear-about-us box to know that we sent you to them. Amazing selection, reliable prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com Before we get away from the Bucks series, is there anything else that you, like, observed that's notable for the future? I mean, obviously, we can can litigate the whole thing all day long about, like, what actually happened. But anything stick out to you other than what you said before about how the Hawks don't have any weaknesses offensively, which I definitely agree with. But anything else, like, you know, Collins stuff is going to be coming up. And um, that is a question that I get 100 times a day right now about Collins' contract and all that stuff. But anything else sticking out to you that you want to get to from that series before we move on?
1: I mean, I think one of the bigger things um, John Collins just gotta—he's gotta become a better ball handler, right? Or just a more confident ball handler, Um, because it can't be like the—it can't be the only way he takes advantage of a mismatch is post-ups or offensive rebounds. Like he's gotta be able to do something off the dribble. He was great. He was great. Uh, He was great at the post, though, in that series. Yeah, oh incredible. And but like like his his shot making it, in
0: that re is like very underrated, I think. Not to cut you off, but like his like twelve footer over a mismatch, like is unguardable. Like he's just gotten so good at the touch in that mid range area that like most of the time it's a bad shot for guys, but it's not for him. Like he's he's good enough now, at and it. That,
1: and to me, and to me, he's just in general a good enough shot maker in that respect where he needs to start taking some shots off the dribble. Like, not not post-ups, but like, you know, just he'll do it every once in a while where somebody will set a screen, he'll get an open mid-ranger and he'll just knock it down because he's money, but like he's gotta do that more. Like, he's gotta he's gotta be a bit more aggressive in hunting his shots that way. Because he's to me, Brad, he's too good of a shooter to not be shooting more. And it doesn't have to be threes. Like to me I'm like at this point like the level of shooter that John is like if you if he just gets the shot up, he's got a good it's it's just like he's just got incredible touch like he but he's got to trust it. Like it's it, like I don't know, to me like he just doesn't trust his handle. It's all right hand, which is fine uh against certain matchups, but you really saw in a couple post-up situations the Bucks were really overplaying his right hand and he's got to also find a way. And like the reason why I'm saying he's got to find ways to do stuff off the dribble. Cause that'll help him get to the free throw line. Um, Cause uh, it's not like he's not getting fouled. Yeah. I mean, like, it's not like, he's, it's not like he's not getting fouled, but like, it's just, it's clear. It's just so much easier to draw fouls. If you're facing up dribbling, beating your guy, and then you know, doing b s draw fall foul, foul drawing um to get going because they they really needed him offensively to be super explosive, and it's just especially if he's gonna be playing with capella next year like he 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 he's just got too many like to me, I'm like John is too good at too many things on offense to where he should be only getting like seven shots a game and that'd be a regularity in the playoffs. Like that can't.
0: Yeah, it was, like, it was, it was stark. I mean, that's, and I, I'll be interested to see if it's used it's against tough. him.
1: It's yeah. It's,
0: Cause like he, he, I it, it was, we, I, I mean, I've, you know, I've had this discussion before, but the fact that he was regularly, you know, fourth, fifth, sixth in shot attempts is like kind of strange because I guess it's not in some respects. So it's on one level, what you I mean, just, what, what you just said? He's, it, yeah,
1: he's playing with Capella all the time, and he's playing with Capella all the time because because of the defense. It's what it is. I mean, because of the defense, like they need they need those two together, and to and the results were great. great. I, I mean, it's it, like, it,
0: it's a, a two sided thing because as much as we all talked about the offensive fit of those guys, the defensive numbers with the two of them were good all year long. Like it worked, obviously, but. No one would argue that that's the perfect offensive pairing. It's just not. I mean, you're, you're giving up a little bit offensively to get up the defense, and it, it worked, but they have to figure out a way. And I, but, I think you're right. I think I think it is on John on some level to have a more perimeter-oriented, like, off-the-dribble game that he doesn't really have.
1: It, I mean, the thing is, it's not going to come from Capello. No, he's, 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 and, he's
0: what he is. That's what it is.
1: And, like, it, it, it was it's really stark. Like, here's the reality. The best role man on the team is John Collins. And yes. it's not even particularly close. And, like, Clint Capella is a great role big man. And I think will can be, you know, pretty good at that role as well. Yeah, I mean, like,
0: they have three, John like, pretty so real much, guys in that,
1: in that respect. Yeah, but, like, John is just better. At no. It. Like, he, he just is.
0: He's one of the best in the and league he, at it, if not the best. Like, he's a top three he to might five.
1: Be the best guy. role man in the NBA. But, like, the Hawks couldn't use him in that way. Because Capella is there, so like you can't roll the into one, Capella. It, it's one of those things where it's like, well, if Okongu, you know, because like Okongu, that's the thing. Like if Capella was just a better passer, like really that that's really what, what what, what's more limiting than Capella's inability to shoot is his inability to make. Decisions. A quick
0: lead. <laughs> yeah, he's yeah. he is one of the. Listen, and this is a very pro Capella podcast. I have raved about him all year long. He's and a very bad Capella, passer. The
1: Hawks. The Hawks do not make the Easter Conference Finals without Clint Capella. Let me the be Hawks clear. The Hawks will make the playoffs without Clint. Playoffs. Yeah, they are not a good team without Clint Capella. No, in, like in the regular season, they had to have him. Yes, against the elite team, you saw it against the Sixers, and you saw it against. You saw it a bit against the knicks as well but you saw offensively well, you really saw all yeah. throughout the playoffs just offensively how limited he is and then you compare that to what a is already able to do just as a passer not not as a not as a shooter not he, as has, a player, he, has, he has better touch too. I mean, a passer capella's still like, better right yeah, now
0: over. for obvious reasons like overall but you, you've seen the passing on the short roll and also it's it's jarring, not you know. Take Collins, Collins is a lead at this, so take him out of it. But even the touch between Okongwu and Capella from like six feet, like on or four feet, like Okongwu doesn't doesn't miss bunnies, even as a rookie. Like he he doesn't really miss those shots. Whereas Capella, we've been up through it a hundred times. He's just not a great touch guy. I mean, he, he if he if he can dunk it, it's great. But his post ups are hideous, which we all know. But even his cool. offensive rebounding, like he's so good at offensive rebounding that may- sometimes he gets his own rebounds and it makes it not ha- makes it not matter as much. But he gets he's his just his own a rebounds bad and
1: then he doesn't pass the ball out, and it's like, what are you doing? Man? It, it, but it, it,
0: if he's not, if he's not dunking, the finishing is just not particularly impressive, which is fine. I mean, well,
1: it, it comes and goes, right? Like, I mean, he had a he had that two week stretch, Brad. He still shoots uh, well overall. Right. I mean. When, Interestingly enough, when Trey Young was out, when he was absolutely finishing everything and like the hook shot was going, I, I don't know. I think his touch just comes and goes, and it's hopefully maybe he, he was battling some hand injury all year. Maybe he'll be able to use his right hand again, uh, his actual dominant hand. Which
0: well, he and he also just, gets a uh, this is this is true of a lot of guys. And I know the offseason is short this year, but he actually gets an offseason. Like last year, he didn't ever really have health. I mean, I know they all had that incredibly long offseason, but he was still hurt. Like he couldn't really do yeah. normal stuff. It was kind of like Cam the year before, where like he just didn't have an offseason. And Kongwu this year, same thing, by the way. Kongwu just was hurt and couldn't do anything for months. Um, so having that development time, like the only injury injuries that are lingering out there right now are Hunter and Magnanovich and Hunter, you know, is on track for, according to Schlenk, and we'll
1: see. We'll see on Bogey, but like, well, we we know we know Schlenk's track work at all. Well, on, yeah, I know, but that, So, but
0: you know, it is uh, it is what it is on that. But I, I'm just saying, like, Capel is one of those guys that maybe will benefit from an from an actual off season. Would be nice. Um, I don't know. It's
1: all, all things considered, I I think that Collins. It's tough because he, here, here here's my thing, Brad. Like, because you could just really see the upside of a Collins a Congru front court. Of what they can do on offense in particular especially if again like a combo really doesn't need to be like he it'd be okay if he made corner threes but really he just has to he has to be able to make a move off the dribble which I think he can do in that mid-range area when Collins is rolling to the rim like I really think the Hawks can do something uh with that for the future if they're going to bring back Collins, which
0: well, uh, one. <laughs> All right. You know what? Hold on. Let's uh, on that note, let's uh, put a pin in this. We're going to roll into uh, part two of this podcast. So we're, you and I are going to keep, are going to keep, keep talking, but if you're listening to this podcast, subscribe, tell your friends, check out Tower stuff. And we'll be back for part two momentarily.